0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the
1: Mill Creek View newspaper. Howdy, howdy. I'm Steve Abramowitz and this is the Mill Creek View podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Stuart Parks. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Stuart Parks. Stuart ran for election as a Republican to the US House of Representatives, Tennessee's fifth congressional district, the famous fifth congressional district now. He lost in the Republican primary on August 4th, 2022, In the past, the 5th District has been nearly synonymous with Tennessee's capital city, Nashville, as the district has almost always been centered on Nashville throughout the 20th and early 21st centuries. The city is a center for the music, healthcare, publishing, banking, and transportation industries and is home to numerous colleges and universities. Its old nickname was the Athens of the South. It is also home to the Grand Ole Opry and Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum, earning it the nickname Music City. Since the 2022 election cycle, there is no longer a congressional district centered on the city of Nashville itself. Tennessee's fifth is a gerrymandered district designed to favor Republican candidates. Prior to the 2022 House redistricting cycle, the district contained the entirety of Davidson County, making it a safe seat for the Democratic Party. Following redistricting, Nashville was split into three separate districts, effectively diluting the city's heavily Democratic voter base into the surrounding suburban and rural counties which lean strongly Republican. The fifth fifth district comprises a southern portion of Davidson County, portions of Wilson and Williamson Counties, and the entirety of Maury, Lewis, and Marshall Counties. There were 10 Republicans in the primary for District 5 on August fourth, 2022, and the Ogles went on to win the general 55.8 to 42.3 to now Tennessee State Senator Democrat Heidi Campbell, District 20. Stuart Parks is a Republican Christian conservative, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, owns several real estate companies in Tennessee, loves Tennessee and Southern history, he says. We must preserve our culture at all costs. Graduated Volunteer State Community College with an associate degree, then graduated Ole Miss with a bachelor's degree in economics. He preserved two historic properties in Tennessee, one in downtown Columbia and the other in downtown Hornsville. Uh, for recreation, he enjoys watching a good Southern college football game. Tennessee sports are exceptional to watch. I love sporting the vol- supporting the Volunteers at Neyland Stadium on Saturdays in the fall. He says, Stuart, hi, how are you today?" Doing well, sir. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for coming on uh, the MCV today. I know you have other things on your mind, but thank you for spending some time with us. Um, I'd like, uh, Unless you have want to correct me on anything I said in the bio, I'd like to play a clip for you before we get into your story. Would, would that be okay? It's about a minute long. Yes, sir. All right. Steve, go for it.
0: Spit something he apparently did not to want to say speak. out loud. We're not here to fight, man. We're here to.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: not kidding. We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah.
2: All right. Have a, have a good night. Be safe. Be safe,
0: brother. That one moment changed what we knew about Ray Epps that night, when he whispered storm the Capitol before it had happened and echoed the official narrative before it was broadcast across the nation. of Supporters of President
1: Trump stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Thousands storming the Capitol. This mob that stormed the Capitol. Storm the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed. The Capitol. stormed. 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 The Capitol. the Capitol. Stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Stormed the United States Capitol. Yeah. We
0: ran it Stop through forensic software oh, that technical absolutely. investigators use you for analyzing yeah. audio um, and video to, to make sure we heard correctly hear and it had not here. been altered.
2: <laughs> 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 not like We're it. here to storm the cap-
1: That was Ray Epps, the only J6 protester who actually told people to go into the Capitol, has been officially sentenced to one-year probation, $500 restitution, and 100 hours of community services. That was yesterday. That seems reasonable, I guess. But many J6 protesters are rotting in jail for nonviolent crimes. Epps escaped a prison term entirely. How is that possible?
2: It's so shady. Ray is a name that has been, has come up many times. Um, a lot of people have associated him with a being an FBI informant, being some sort of federal agent, which I believe there's truth to that. Um, I mean, that's just a sweetheart deal getting a probation. And he did worse than me, um, you know, making statements such as storm the Capitol. I never, I never said that on January 6th. Um, and so, like I say, he did way worse than me, and he gets a sweetheart deal, whereas me, I get an Obama-appointed judge sentenced me to eight months in
1: federal prison, so
2: uh, it's just mind-blowing.
1: It is, it is. Uh, Coy Griffin, Otero County Commissioner, another elected official and founder of Cowboys for Trump, spent three weeks in solitary confinement for misdemeanor trespass, which is walking on the grass. He says he never incited nor encouraged anyone to break the law and always kept full distance from the fray. Epps encouraged it and he got probation. Um, I had Sarah McAbee on, met her last week, personally, very sweet gal, strong heart for like a 5'5 woman. Don't know if you know her, tell Mm -hmm. us if you do. But had to spend another Christmas alone while her husband, Williamson County Sheriff, they call him the Sheriff of J6 every night, sings God Bless America at 9 p.m. in that awful D.C. jail, uh, do you know where they want to send you? Uh,
2: yes, sir. Um, it's a federal correction facility in Memphis. Which, keep in mind, the FBI released a report for the 2023-2024 crime stat, and Memphis is actually number one on the list for most dangerous city um, in America. And Sarah McBee, great woman. I've had the privilege of meeting her on studio um, during one January sixth uh, interview. Great woman, just tragic what's happened to her husband um you know i view him as a hero and i've said that to her many times
1: wow yeah and i heard that ray epps actually appealed to the judge to allow him to offset the 100 hours of community service with hours he has already worked for the feds um i can't confirm that but you know what about appeals are you waiting an appeal
2: uh yes sir so each day there's new updates that relate to my appeal okay uh right now we're in the um we're in the document, or I call it document retrieval stage. We're getting a transcript from the, what went, from the court recorder what went on in my bench trial and sentencing. And so, um, each new day, you know, updates come up. Um, right now, we're, uh, we're going to review those documents. I mean, there's just a lot of things that went on in my trial that were just totally unfair, totally biased um, on the judge's part. And I mean, he sided, colluded with the government prosecution and, you know, there were times where we'd be interrupted and making a valid point. And he even berated and screamed at me um, when he handed my sentence. He was so furious. Even CBS News, who sided with the left, used the term dress down. But he did more than that. He berated me. And then after he handed his sentence, Sentence on me. He stormed out of the courtroom. So it just shows you the bias and prejudice the judicial system has towards Christian, conservative, pro-American, pro-Trump people. Was that a Tennessee judge or a D.C. judge? Uh, this was a Washington, D.C. judge. This was a judge I met. He was an Obama-appointed judge in Washington, D.C.
1: Okay. So to put the Ray Epps sentencing in context for everyone, um, a mother of eight with no priors who broke a window on January 6th, got eight years in federal prison. An unarmed woman was brutally beaten by four Capitol Police officers to within an inch of her life and got hard jail time for January 6th. And of course, Rosalind Byland died, Ashley Babbitt died, no police died that day. Tell us your experience on that day. Um, So on January
2: 6th, My, my friend, co-defendant, you know, he's labeled as co-defendant. We walked to the Capitol. Um, you know, it was peaceful. I used to term festive. There were people dressed up in costume, waving flags. You know, it was uh, it was way less serious than the fake news media portrayed it to be. And, you know, we were laughing, cutting up. You know, it was kind of like going to a uh, – I used to term going to like a southern football game, very festive. Um, and so we arrived to the Capitol and – A few moments later, the police allowed us to go forward, and in my bench trial, I went through several police officers before going to the building itself, and then I went in the building, the U.S. Capitol, like any other normal building, through a door, and shortly after going into the building, I encountered some more police officers who never told me, they never once said, get out. You're breaking a law. You can't be here. This is illegal. Never once they were using statements such as we're with you. We hear you. We understand you. You know, very, you know, encouraging, um, you know, friendly banter, if you will. And um, that was just a common theme throughout while being in the Capitol for 30 minutes. And so, I mean, the fake news media just totally lied to the American people what actually happened on
1: January 6th. So you didn't break any windows. You didn't uh, steal any laptops from Nancy Pelosi's office. You just walked in, the police didn't stop you as if you were there with a school field trip and spent 30 minutes in there and walked out.
2: Uh, that is correct. I did no damage. Um, I went in through a normal entryway to a normal door. Uh, nothing was stolen. And this is what's crazy about this. I'm facing a fifth charge. Normally what they do is charge people the usual uh trespassing disorderly conduct where you know and that constituted about four charges i'm facing a fifth charge which is theft of government property which i picked up a metal detector detector one in a silly frivolous manner and i put it back in the same area and what's crazy about this the capitol hill police testified at my trial that nothing was stolen nothing was missing from the capitol and the obama appointed judge still went out of his way to find me guilty of theft so that's just pure display of prejudice
1: so somebody who I described in the bio that loves Tennessee, loves America, went to D.C. to you know express your, your First Amendment right to free speech. How do you feel about a judge telling you that you're a domestic terrorist and for demanding, well, for just basically demanding free and fair elections? That's why you were there. How do you feel about him calling you a domestic terrorist?
2: You know that's a great question, and I've been called every name in the book. He, I mean, the judge called me a liar, said I fabricated. Um, you know, did everything, um, called me everything when he, after he heard my testimony, um, and stated all this and during the verdict reading. I mean, I've been called everything from insurrectionist, terrorist. Um, it's just all lies and you know now the mood has changed the american people have seen me seeing more videos being released and know that you know the fake news media lied you know the capital the Capitol Hill police during the january 6th committee hearing you know they lied used all kinds of emotional tactics to try to get the public against you know january 6th uh peaceful event attendees so um i mean it's upsetting but at the same time it's You know, I'm almost used to, at this point, just the lies of the left. And, you know, we have the support of the people. They know that uh, we're all innocent. And, you know, now it's winning in the justice system. who's highly corrupt in D.C.
1: Hmm. So Judge Boasberg, B-O-A-S-B-E-R-G, told Ray Epps he was the only January 6th defendant. So there are a lot of them. He's apparently the only one to suffer, quote, for what you didn't do. In other words, the only defendant to face threats and harassment because powerful people lied about his actions, he said. Um <laughs> aren't you in the same boat? You didn't do it, and people are lying about your actions? I, would yes, think, I mean, this was exactly yesterday, right. by the way. The judge should know this for being involved for so many months and years.
2: Mm-hmm. You're exactly why. Right. Um I like I stated, the judge the obama point judge in my case. Stated that I fabricated told lies during my testimony in the witness stand, and and a lot of people ask why didn't you do a jury trial? Well, we couldn't because the jury pool was so prejudiced and you know emotionally resentful and hostile towards us, you know, pro Americans. So we had to. It's either do a jury be a, do a jury trial, be found guilty. By a hostile jury or do an event trial and have the hopes of an emotionally, uh, you know, an unemotional judge, a legal expert decide my fate. And I mean, yeah, it's that's wild what that judge said to Ray Epps. I mean, that's what I'm gonna, he I'm gonna what tell he was, you some
1: more that he said, but how come your attorney a lot of times? I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on a podcast, but a lot of times you see a lawyer will move to move it out of a jurisdiction. If they think it's biased or hostile to them, was that not even an option to try to take it into Tennessee or even out of DC, anywhere, Virginia, where you might get a fair jury trial because a bench trial, which is what you've not, I don't know if you volunteered, but that's what you had. Didn't seem like it was going to go very well.
2: Uh, You're exactly right. So um, I guess the correct, terminology is um, I waive my right to a jury because uh, I, I guess that's the default when you're in the si- type situation is, you know, you go before a jury trial first, I waive my right to a jury. So then uh, <laughs> it was presented to an Obama appointed judge, you know, as in form of a bench trial. And I mean, we filed motion for a change of venue and I'm not the only one you can look at many, many people in my situation. Any you know, January 6th Patriot, they filed uh, for a change of venue and the DC judges knew if this gets out of the courts, it's, you know, these ju- these uh, de- us defendants would be found not guilty because, um, you know, the D.C. swamp, if you will, have an emotional need and retaliation to retaliate against us. So they weren't going to let this get out of the D.C. Um, jurisdiction and be uh, held, you know, be tried in another court. So um, I don't know any January 6th patriot or defendant that, um, you know, was, granted uh it was approved a change of venue
1: yeah it was worse so for sarah's husband she was found innocent basically by a tennessee judge and then they picked him back up in dc and now he's in jail so it was sort of like a double jeopardy almost yeah and we know the doj and judiciary have been fully weaponized against the citizens um epps actually lashed out on fox news at what he called the trump cult he praised the fbi and antifa saying conclusively they had, quote, no involvement in January 6th and only angry Trump supporters were part of the mob. Were you an angry Trump supporter or do you agree that the FBI and Antifa are, were not involved at all from an eyewitness point of view?
2: When I was present, you know, from my point of view, it was a lot of, you know, peaceful, loving People, I mean, when I came back from January 6th, on January 7th, January 8th, and days after, I was shocked when I looked on, you know, the news and they were, the FBI was releasing a most wanted list, um, because it just didn't add, you know, it didn't add up to what I saw. Um, You know, January 6th was way more peaceful than the media portrays, and they do all these deceptive edits to try to trick, deceive Americans into thinking, you know, we're terrorists or insurrectionists, and I mean... It, it just it, it's mind blowing. Like it was majority people, there were uh, families there singing uh, "God Bless America," all kinds of patriotic song. Um, I mean, it was it was a fun event. Um, and so I'm just shocked at how the media has twisted this into you know getting whatever American to hate us.
1: Reyes um, yeah. yeah. was on that list out of the gate, and they took him down actually. So yep. those you know internet yeah. sleuths were quick to point out that like wait a minute, well why is this guy all of a sudden not no longer America's most wanted so it was very obvious from the start there was something going on that wasn't right he said the 2020 election quote was not stolen and that he wants to spend the rest of his life trying to explain that to others reminds me a little bit of OJ dedicating Mm -hmm. his life to find his ex-wife's killer don't think he has yet unless he looks in the mirror um Do you did you think that it was stolen or not stolen or have any opinions that coincide with him for you to be treated harsher than he is about the election Uh, of 2020? Yes, you were part of the election of 2020, sir. uh,
2: Yes, sir. (laughs) So um, that's a great question. Part of the harshness in my sentence and the judge highlighted this was because they didn't apologize. And I have no you know, feelings of contrition or remorse for, you know, being peacefully present on January 6th. Um, I, along with many people, know that Joe Biden is not the president. He did not win the 2020 election. It's clear as daylight, even now, after time has gone on, that he did not win it. Um, And there's a variety of evidence to support that. So, you know, my frame of mind and belief then, now, before then, was that Joe Biden's not the president and we were peacefully present um to hear the events there was supposed to be a speaker uh several speakers in january 6th to stop the steel rally and you know we were peacefully unified to say hey these votes need to be there needs to be a second look at all these votes that are coming in um from the states and you know unfortunately mike pence did what he did and didn't kick the votes back and the fraud got pushed through so um to answer your question i do not recognize joe biden as our president
1: mm. Well, it could have been worse for you. The leaders of the Proud Boys, who one, one of them wasn't even at the Capitol, got twenty-two years. Uh I went I want to read the list off, um, get your reaction to this. Enrique Tario, who was the leader, uh he's thirty-eight years old, thirty-three years. Uh, that was recommended, but he got twenty-two. Joseph Biggs, also thirty-eight from Florida, he was recommended thirty-three years, got seventeen. So you'd say light sentence, right? Zachary Rail from Philly, 30 years, got 15, half. Ethan Norden from Washington State, where Steve is, 30, 27, 18 years. I actually know him. We were part of a group called the Free Breathers long before there ever was a Proud Boys because we wanted the masks off and to breathe. Crazy, right? Dominique yes, Pizzola, uh, he's 45, poor guy, Rochester, New York, 20 years, uh, was offered 10. Stuart Rhodes, these are oath keepers now, and Kelly Megus, uh, one from Texas, one from Florida. Twenty-five years and twenty-one years recommend. Got eighteen and twelve. So most of the one thousand seven hundred fifty-two convictions result in some amount of jail time, followed by a period of supervised release. Is that what's going to happen with you?
2: Um, so I'll say, share some thoughts with that. Um, you look at you know what's being released. Um, even with, you know, my eight months followed by a year of supervised release, um, the punishment is far more severe than what's on paper. Because if you think back, I was raided by the FBI on January 3rd of 2021. And I've been on forms, different forms of probation since then. So, you know, you look at it, you could almost say two, three years of probation plus a year of supervised release in eight months in my case. And I echo that to say those other people, that I'm sure their punishment way worse. Um, you know, a lot of them, probably had a form of maybe pre-trial release and you know government monitoring and had to give up certain rights like me i can't be around guns firearms uh there was one point where i couldn't even be on social media by the magistrate judge when i was arrested the day of then when it got transferred to dc they rescinded that and said you know hey you can be on social media so there's just you know way more way more harsher punishment than most people realize um and you know those people they're innocent. Uh, I hear stories like the, what you mentioned with the gentleman that wasn't even in the Capitol, wasn't mm-hmm. even there on January 6th, and he got arrested and facing a harsh sentence. I've heard, you know, people not even going to Capitol, getting arrested and so forth, and all these people are innocent. So just one day in jail is far too harsh for innocent people, let alone 20 years, 17 years, you know, mm-hmm. eight months in my case. Um, it's just totally corrupt and unjust what they're doing to these people
1: yeah so a year ago this month the republicans won back the congress where is the gop jim jordan judiciary matt gates mtg the firebrands the new speaker mike johnson christian guy from louisiana tennessee's mark green homeland security anyone taking up these in your these people's cases
2: you know that's a great question um i'll be this as a spiritual battle you know i'm using prayer and Um, because you're right, it's it's tough that, you know, all elected representatives, um, Sarah, and I've heard different other January 6th people ask, where are, you know, people taking up for us? If we were Black Lives Matter or any other hostile left-wing group, the left would be jumping, you know, raising money, um, you know, to get us out, you know, paying for our bail, different things taken up for us. But as far as the GOP, it's almost like we're too controversial for them, which is crazy because we're the ones that voted them in in the first place um and you know and i don't know about all the names that you mentioned but there are a lot of people if you look at the record that voted uh for the fraud on january 6th a lot of people on the gop did you know push it you know approved joe biden to be uh elected president based on fraudulent results and i think a lot of them are ashamed to you know go back and admit admit that um so yeah that's a great question
1: Okay. Uh, with your permission, I'd like to play one more clip about 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, nice. sir. Number two. What happened inside of the building? An important note when it comes to our prosecutions about those who remained outside the building. We have used our prosecutorial discretion to primarily focus on those who entered the building or those who engaged in violent or corrupt conduct on capital grounds. but. If a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. That was Matthew Graves, US Attorney for DC, the guy in charge of all those prosecutions um, is gonna start taking more political prisoners out of innocent people who never even went in. Uh, He called it prosecutorial discretion. That's a problem with discretion in prosecution. Nothing for billions of damage during the summer of love in Seattle and Portland. And Ray Epps, Graves is the guy who declined to pursue Hunter Biden for tax offenses. That's convenient. Um, That's discretion right there to not pursue. His wife, he's also the guy that um, I'll talk about her in a second. He's also the guy that indicted Steve Bannon. On two contempt charges referred uh, by Nancy Pelosi, Peter Navarro, too, you said you weren't allowed on social media. That's your First Amendment right. You said no firearms. That's your Second Amendment right. But get this. There's there's prosecutorial discretion. That's true. But there's also conflict of interest and ethics for lawyers, right? His wife is Fatima Goss, who's the president and CEO of the National Women's Law Center. She plays a crucial role in Biden and Democrat priorities, and she's been to the White House 28 times since Matt Graves was confirmed. Even Fourth of July Barbecue, they were together. Um, I can go deeper with their closeness to VP Harris and her husband, but you get the point. Did your lawyer deal with this guy?
2: I don't know as far as you know the names of the individuals that my lawyer uh, dealt with, but um, it's just sad. I mean, these there's families, kids. I've heard stories of, you know, teenagers close to 18, but they're still people's kids being arrested, uh, grandmas, grandpas, just innocent people. And you mentioned earlier people that weren't even present in D.C. or went in the building. And, I mean, my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to, you know, the January 6th Patriots that's still in jail today, denied bond or early release. Um, it's just evil what they're doing. And America is waking up. Um, you know, a lot of people at the time support. They supported us, and even a lot more now have come along. It's like, wow, this is just eye opening. Um, how you know uh, the DOJ is being weaponized against innocent people. So, um, yeah, like I said, my heart goes out to you know the innocent people being arrested because of this.
1: Yeah, and it goes beyond the DOJ. I'm pretty sure we'll hear about her, his wife, Graves' wife, and the NWLC, where they go after uh, Clarence Thomas to recuse himself on Trump matters. Um, Jack Posobiec told Julie Kelly, uh, like the only two that seem to cover this Jan 6 out there, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to either of those two, but they seem to be the only ones doing it, um, that according to the IRS whistleblower, Matthew Graves, made that decision in March of 2022 that month, according to the White House Visitor's Blog, his wife visited the White House five times. Is she discussing this criminal investigation with anyone at the White House? Is this a quid pro quo, a way to reward Matthew Graves for continuing to round up criminally charged Trump supporters and Trump advisors from January 6th? We're never going to know. But prosaic responded, and this is something where we're... White House Republican clearly have the ability to come in and put pressure and just shine a light on what exactly is going on in the situation. Because, Julie, and as you've reported, we were told again and again that Matthew Graves is completely independent, that the Department of Justice is completely independent. Do you think your lawyer or a group of lawyers who are defending j Sixers could put this guy up on ethics charges and, and maybe get some of these cases tossed out? like yours?
2: I mean, I, I agree, um, it's, it's just specifically my case. I mean, there's just a lot of displays of prejudice that went on, you know, me being screamed, yelled at. Um, I should have never been arrested in the first place. So um, I'm confident in a lot of this, you know, what went down on January 6th, you know, the police letting us in, giving us permission to go in. I mean, that that should wipe out the trespassing charge. And I, I've I have seen it. Um, with my co-defendant, they coerced and intimidated him into pleading guilty because he, like me, was just going to be tried on misdemeanor. But then they saw an instance where he was too close or uh, maybe had a change of words with a police officer, and they upgraded his charges to assault of a federal officer. So when you look at these cases, um, you know, which is clear, view of Lynn, um, in, you know, instead of being too, you know, looking at it from a left-wing perspective or right-wing, um, you'll see that a lot of these people, I mean, it's a lot of injustice, um, a lot of charges upgraded for no reason, and so forth. So, um, you know, it remains the seen with my appeals coming up, um, what judges we have, and so forth. And a lot of these cases should be thrown out, but the left-wing judge wants to retaliate and don't want it, you know, want to use the full harshness to the law to punish us. Um, that's why they're not being thrown out. So, a lot, of, yeah, these are good questions you're asking.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's rules in the law business where if you are a judge and you're biased, you can be overturned. And if you're a lawyer and you're prosecuting and you're overreaching and it's proven, you can be disbarred and never do this again. Yeah. There are ethics violations. There are all kinds of things that can get a case like yours completely tossed out. And I just don't see that happening. And I don't even see lawyers filing that with a court, maybe that's because they feel the court is, is just never going to do it, even if it went all the way to the Supreme Court. We'll see. But um, when you ran for, okay, so let's let's shift gears a little bit back to you here. When you ran for office, uh, you were on record saying 2015's Oberfeld versus Hodges, one of the worst Supreme Court decisions ever made. The ruling legalized same-sex marriages, which is an erroneous idea, this is from your website, marriages only between one man and one woman. The far left wants to keep the pandemic alive. Stuart Park says the pandemic is over. The communist Chinese government intentionally created the virus in the Wuhan lab and leaked it to the world to advance the communist new world order. Communism and socialism is evil and must be removed from our way of life dc wouldn't like you very much saying things like that do you think that <laughs> what you're going through is some political targeting even oh a hundred percent
2: i mean they play a clip from my interview uh tv appearances um my political campaign and this was a way of signaling to, signaling to the judge like hey you need to take this guy out he's too loud um the judge you know made mentions of my campaign, didn't like my message, um, uh, said I spun a lie to the people of Tennessee and, um this was, I believe, either my verdict or sentence. I have to go back and look at the record, but you know, crucial points in the trial, he said this, so he now knows that, hey, Stuart Parks is a political servant. Um people are a lot listening to what he's saying. And I mean it's you're hundred percent right. Um there will come political retaliation from these left wing judges when they find out that um you know I'm involved politically.
1: So the Republican Party should come to your defense. How do you feel about um your opponent and current D five rep Ogles? Um, has he reached out to help you or any J Sexers you know of?
2: Um, so I I like Andy Ogles. You know, he I I would say we have a good relationship. Um I he has not reached out to me in the matters of January sixth. Um, Sarah McAvee, great woman, uh, like I said, I have met her in other TV studios and she's told me, um, with the same thing I experienced that she hasn't heard back from Republican political leaders, um, you know, Marsha Blackburn, different ones. I've not, um, you know, heard from any elected officials, um, on any type of assistance or, um, you know, help. In my legal no matters. No one. Governor
1: yeah. Lee, McNally, Haggerty, anyone from T uh A. G. scarmetti nobody. Not even Sheriff Dusty Roads. Not nobody's ever said, hey, this sucks. Let's help.
2: Uh you're exactly right. Nobody's said anything to me or signaled any sort of assistance. Um, you know, as far as like sheriff and law enforcement, it's you know, it's a real touchy subject when it comes to my arrest because it was in downtown Columbia. The FBI, the counterterrorism unit from, I believe, the Memphis office came and busted down my door, dragged me out. And there was, I believe, sheriff, uh, a local police officer, Columbia Police Unit was there. So it's pretty dot- crazy uh, eye-opening at the law enforcement um, agencies that were there in my front yard uh, to come take me to jail. So um, I Was that one of these
1: 6 a.m. no-knock raid type of things?
2: Um, yes, sir. So it was, um, let me think real quick, uh, June 3rd, 2021 at five fifty-three AM. Um, you know, I'm deep asleep, uh, in my bed and, you know, I hear a loud bang at the door FBI before I can even get out of the bed, glasses flying everywhere in the living room doors kicked in and, you know, they're in full body armor, machine gun pointed at me, screaming at me. Um, so yeah, it's it just shocking how they came and got me. And this was in Tennessee. This is Columbia, Tennessee.
1: Right. And so, the, I mean, are they supposed to talk to the TBI before doing this or the local sheriff or the local PD, or anybody that would have been alerted to say, why don't we just call his lawyer and ask him to turn himself in? Why do we got to go to yeah. glass? Yeah, there are
2: so many people asking the same questions. Um, you know, there's you're exactly right. I mean, why did they just call me? You'd be like, hey, um, Stuart Park." You know, can you come in for questioning? I didn't get a phone call. And there and there's different reports from different January 6th um, defendants where they first got a phone call. You know, they might have said something in the phone call that gave the FBI all the evidence they needed. And then they came and arrested them and so forth. But with me, I had no indication. They just came and rounded me up, uh, ra- raided my house. Um, and there's a lot of people that saying, well, the sheriff should have, you know, Giving them permission first and so forth, and I think all those are valid arguments, quite frankly. Um, but you know, it's, it needs to be looked at.
1: Did they take you to jail, like in the backseat of the car, handcuffed in your pajamas, or did they at least give you an opportunity to get yourself together and then go book you? Or, you know, how did what did they do, or, or do they leave and just let you clean up the glass on your own seven in the morning?
2: <laughs> well, um, yeah. So I was in normal sleeping attire. I was just in boxers and gym shorts. And um, they came, arrested me, handcuffed me, um, took me to the back of an unmarked, um, unmarked, blacked-out Jeep at the road. And I, I do remember after they apprehended me, apprehended me and had me seated, they did bring me a T-shirt and I think some shoes. Um, but yeah, they didn't give me a chance to like fix up or anything. And then from there, they took me I mean, to an. Unmarked, this is what you would do
1: with like a, a ganglord or Al Qaeda. You know, for, for all you know, yeah. taking you away. <laughs> Did they at least show you a badge and say you're under arrest? What anything you say can be held against you in a court of law? Any of that?
2: So um, the only indication that I had, and again, this could be like gangsters. I, I have no idea who these people are. Uh, when they, when I first woke up, they were banging on the house, on the door, window, screaming, FBI! You know, come out with your hands up, or we're here to arrest you, and. That was my only indication. And by then, I, you know, I didn't have time to get out of bed. Glasses flying everywhere. The doors, but now the front door is now busted in, and um, you know they had full SWAT military gear on with um, assault uh, machine guns, and um, it's just wild. I mean, this is something like you would see out of an Osama bin Laden raid. That's how you know shocking and you know military like this was, and this was again the counterterrorism unit of the fbi this isn't you know insurance fraud division or any type of stuff i mean this is like the high yeah. i think the highest of the high you can go
1: your f- file must have said armed and dangerous be ready for action or something like that so you're 30 years old right you're, you're is that right 30 31 uh, now, well maybe? i'm
2: 31 at the time 31. of this uh well, i was like 29, 29. Um, so you're looking yeah. at eight
1: months in federal prison for being inside the u.s capital and five federal charges and one of which is terrorism right
2: um so the five hit no no terrorist charges charge at all uh these That's are just good. federal misdemeanors you know they're equivalent to a dui but um you know this the they basically set it up to where i would serve eight months concurrently uh eight months satisfy them all which again as, I, as you and i talked about one day it's harsh way too hard just the time a couple hours i was in the metro prison in Davidson county i mean prison's not fun i was in shackles i mean my ankles hurt because i was handcuffed and in shackles at the ankle having to walk around from cell to cell for questioning and go before the magistrate judge it's not fun
1: your judge, D.C. Circuit Court Judge Amit P. Mata, sentenced you to a total of three years on misdemeanor trespassing, disorderly conduct, and theft charges, but he will serve, you will serve your sentence concurrently, reducing your term to eight months behind bars. Was he fair, unlike Bosberg we talked about earlier? Was, did you think that judge was fair?
2: Um. So the school of thought in D.C. during the time of my arrest was that I'm standing for a judge that was considered middle, uh, middle of the road, if you will, middle uh, in terms of um, political thought. There are some that could have gotten way worse, and there's some um, that are Trump-appointed judges that were, you know, in some cases, uh, one Trump, one Trump judge acquitted Matthew Martin of um, and had all his charges dropped. So you know that, that was the school of thought. But once the trial, Brent trial went on, and I was uh, handing my verdict and anything i mean it came evident this guy took it out on me i mean he was really harsh um and one-sided totally unfair
1: be nice if there was a, a new ray epp standard where everybody gets a 300 hundred dollar fine and can get it waived for community service um you went with your friend matthew baggett of murfreesboro what's his fate same
2: so matthew baggett was intimidated and coerced into pleading guilty um let me think he pled guilty april 5th of 2022 um and then he was sentenced august 5th of 2022 to just three months and a year supervised release and i think he had to pay a fine and he uh um my understanding is he has now finished his one year supervised release so he's completely satisfied all of his sentence like he's off the hook now
1: Mm i think he he pled deal got three months yeah um why did you just yeah, go ahead. Sorry,
2: uh, sorry, I didn't mean. To, uh, I, I want to add to that because you bring up a good point. Um, he got three months, and at his sentencing, the judge made a comment that he didn't like Matthew's demeanor, his facial expression. And yeah. Matthew, if you know him, he's a great, warm, loving guy. Uh, just has a normal, professional, serious look. And um, the judge didn't like his facial expression, among other things, gave mm. him three months. And that's just shocking, and that's why a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you plead guilty, try to get a you know, a lighter deal? And one, I didn't commit a crime. Two, the FBI and the prosecution tried to get me in many different times to plead guilty in a variety of meetings. And you, you could sign all this paperwork, do all this pleading you want, but at the end of the day, it's up to the judge on what you get, and the judge hates you for what you stand for. He's going to give you a really harsh sentence. So that's why I fought it all the way through, and it's unfair what they did to Matthew.
1: Your public uh, defender John Machado I believe do you like him did he do good
2: You know I um I'm thankful for Mr. Machado's work um you know I, I I think there were certain things that um obviously you know we did the best we could um I'm thankful for him you know he's very professional um nice to me and so
1: um I'm thankful for Mr. Machado and Scott McFarland is a CBS congressional correspondent he said of all the hearings i've covered and all the january 6 cases i've covered i have rarely if ever heard a judge more forceful and frank in his denunciations of what a defendant had argued and what a defendant had said that's about you um your judge i should say against you when do you turn yourself in i guess like
2: that's Uh, that's a good question so right now the self-surrender date has been listed for February sixth of uh, two thousand twenty four. So it's about less than a month. Um and as far as like the statement you said from CBS News, that's a um how do I say that That's a sweetened way of what actually went on. I was berated, yelled, screamed at, uh, by this judge and that's probably what motivated the CBS correspondent got me falling to release that statement just to sort of humanize the judge. Because anybody seen this would have, even people probably on the left that wanted me to go to jail would probably have felt sorry for me if they had seen the way I was treated in the courtroom.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on here to tell your story. I, I hope you'll come back after your sentence and tell us how you fared in there and, and all that. Um, but you're appealing, right? So Still, oh, yes, be... sir. Okay, so you recorded saying a lot of admiral figures in history have gone to jail in times of evil. Sometimes good people have to go to prison in standing up for what they believe. Still feel that way?
2: Yes, sir. You know, this is, I've made, I say this on a podcast or uh, on a media interview, um, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I enjoy reading the Bible, and it's wild to me that, like, most of everybody in the Bible went to prison, even great figures. You look at Nelson Mandela, um, different ones in American history, they went to prison, and it's wild to think that in America, you know, being a Christian, just uh, attending an event to voice concerns about, you know, your government, it's wild that you can actually now go to jail because of that, and uh, the left, the communist left, doing it and a lot of good people on the right that's been elected are just standing by letting it go on so to answer your question is i still stand by my statements i made on that post
1: Mm -hmm. martin Luther king jr birmingham jail Uh, yeah stewart thank you for your time we are at the end here tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you maybe go fund me follow your social media anything anything you want
2: oh thank you so much again uh, mr steve for having me on um uh, at this point we just direct people to follow us on social media to stay updated on the uh, latest um news. Like I said, there's more updates coming on as each day go by. Um, you know, I I stated this was a spiritual war that we're in right now. Obviously money helped, but at this point I'm not doing any fundraising. Uh, just speaking out, um, just you know, in the legal system, going through the legal channels to get this done. I appreciate um you having me on and um, uh, you know, I just want to get the word out and share people what's actually going on. So I'm hoping to doing future media interviews with anyone. And uh, like I said, thank you for having me on.
1: God bless you. I hope you find justice. And thanks for coming on. Thank you, sir. I'm Cole Walker. I'm a UT Martin rodeo athlete, collegiately. And this is Mill Creek you podcast with columbia tennessee based energized health.com you lose fat fast simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry tasteless food revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88 day science from john and chelsea jubilee people report getting off medications and reversing ailments energy mental clarity and alertness go through the roof look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable i know i'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com
0: I don't understand
1: Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show. Producer Steve, you listened to the whole thing. What did you think of our guest, Steve Parks? Stuart Parks. Oh,
0: Steve, Steve, it just makes me want to cry again. um, The injustice of our country, the evil of our government, um, is astounding. And then you recognize that they did this to I could go on. I've read some books about how we treat, you know, prisoners of war, and I said if they can do that to prisoners of war, where there is actually no law, and these people are innocent, then they'll do that to us, and we are seeing this in spades. And they've happened to choose the J6. But Steve, one has to remind ourselves that our government did Waco, Texas. They did. uh, They killed a bunch of uh, Branch Davidians who were innocent. Could have arrested david koresh at any time but they went in there and a siege and killed about 70 innocent people ruby ridge and and there's many 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 other situations so uh we have seen this
1: fast but it happened over a long period of time yes all right well we wish him well um he's in my my prayer that's very nice thank you young women are more liberal than young men this is going to come as a shock to our listeners it was written by change research september 18 2023 change research led by a team of gen z and millennial pollsters conducted a poll of 1033 voters between the age of 18 to 34 from august 25th to september 1st 2023 the modeled margin of error for this survey is plus or minus 3.4 percent this analysis also pulls from a representative survey of 3197 american voters conducted earlier this year may 22 through 31 2023 margin of error, plus or minus 2%. This report highlights the stark ideological differences between young men and women in the United States. In public opinion research, it's not unusual or unexpected to find significant attitudinal, behavioral, and cultural differences among men and women. However, it is striking to observe just how divergent these differences are among young American voters, more so than exist in any other generation. I was just thinking the other day, I don't know that many Gen Zers anymore. I've got a daughter in high school, but for the most part, these are young adults who I don't really um, interact with so much, let's say, like when my daughter was younger and it was t-ball and swimming and all the rest. So this was actually fascinating to me. hope you think it's interesting. Um, Differences in political beliefs, for example. The data from the may poll point to a significant degree of cohesion among young women a majority of whom are liberal or progressive whereas men under 35 are quite polarized this gender gap is more pronounced for 18 to 34 year olds there is a 21 point gap between the percentage of women and men under 35 who consider themselves to be progressive or liberal This gap is slightly smaller among those aged 35 to 49, 18 points. However, this gap collapses among 50 to 64, 9 points, and 65 plus, only 7 points, age cohorts. In the same poll, we see that young men and women also have vastly different impressions of capitalism and socialism. Men in every single age cohort have a more positive view of capitalism than socialism, especially among those 50 and older. Women aged 34 to 49 are equally likely to have a favorable view of capitalism and socialism. However, women 18 to 34 are almost twice as likely to have a positive impression of socialism versus capitalism. Among women in this age group, having a positive view of socialism is still a minority opinion, but it's clear that few hold capitalism in high regard. Don't like to work. The top political issue of the last election cycle, abortion, remains highly salient among young voters, especially among women. Three in four young voters believe abortion should be legal in all 52% or more, 23% cases, while 17% think it should be illegal in most cases, and only 8% think it should be illegal in all cases. Views on abortion are a very motivator, are a vote motivator for more than half of young voters. 55% say they will not vote for a candidate with a view of abortion different from their own. I think John Roberts knew that when he overturned Roe versus Wade. This includes 62% of women and 42% of men. 62% of women. State bans on abortion are motivating young women to leave their state. 60% of women are, would be more motivated to move to another state now that if their state passes a ban on abortion. Wow 29% say it makes no difference 12% are would be more motivated to stay in their state men and women are relying on information sources to different degrees YouTube is broadly accessed by both women 74% and men 82% but men 57% are significantly more likely than women 34% to being YouTube as a new source to using YouTube as a new source Women are more likely than men to access Instagram, 78% of women, 61% of men. Facebook, 71% to 58. TikTok, 49 to 26. That's good that it's low. And Pinterest, 31 to 4. Fewer millennials and Gen Z access Twitter. Slash X, but men, 33%, are more likely than women, 22%, to be using the platform. Women, 32%, and men, 36%, are nearly equally likely to consume podcasts. Thank you. But are listening to very different programming. From a list of chart topping podcasts, men most commonly report listening to The Joe Rogan Experience, 32% of men podcast listeners, and The Ben Shapiro Show, 24%, while women are more likely to be listening to The Daily. 21%, that's the Daily Wire's daily show, and This American Life, 14%. I think that's NPR, I forget. As discussed in the next section, this con- consumption of Joe Rogan's podcast is a is a big red flag for a lot of young women. Differences in media consumption are reflected in the gender's view about canceling, though it's unclear whether media sources are a cause or effect in this case. Just over 4 in 10 men, 42%, think that canceling is a common and serious problem compared to just 19% of women. It's a problem, trust me. Views among women tend to be more diverse with roughly equal portions thinking this issue is serious as they think it's really just accountability for problematic behavior. No, I didn't deserve it. When it comes to dating, it's clear that the personal is very, very political, especially for young women. Men and women have some common green flags. They look for when seeking a partner, including reading, researching the best deals and rates before buying and looking better in person, but there are significant differences in how some political values are prioritized. Additional top green flags for women include saying Black Lives Matter, taking candid pictures of you, and identifying as liberal. Top green flags for men are not being on social media, saying there are only two genders, owning a gun, and preferring cow milk over any non-dairy milk. (laughs) guys are kind of superficial intersectional lgbt book month dispatch from a small town librarian so why am i reading that after what i just read stay with me folks this makes sense this is from the american library association website ala.org i'm not making it up by tess goldwasser do you work for a library in a small rural conservative community are you a frontline staff member there with no managerial or administrative authority? Do you wish you could do more to make your library more inclusive to the LGBTQIA community, but meet with resistance? Don't give up. This is the most important lesson I can impart upon you. For instance, when you ask, can I do a GLBT book month display in June? And your supervisor says no, or think of the children or customers will complain or why? There are no gay people here in our town. You could very easily be discouraged and angry and confused don't they know every thursday is gay night at the town pub but don't stop asking ask next year and the year after that and the year after that one year they might say yes and the year after that they might say sure you can do that again and it might become a tradition and every year you can put up more rainbow flags than the year before the only way you'll find out is if you contribute if you continue to be persistent and if you're thinking a display is a trivial matter it's not really a warm and friendly display can be welcoming to LGBT folks in your community who probably currently feel unwelcome and it's a single and it's a simple thing to start with sure you want to eventually get to drag queen story time but you should start with something simple Invite LGBT community partners. Like I said, your library isn't ready for drag queen story time. They may not be ready for any kind of LGBT programming yet, but that doesn't mean those programs can't still be held in your library. If your library has meeting space, reach out to groups like your local PFLAG chapter or local schools' LGBT student groups and let them know that they can hold meetings and host programs at your library. Sneakily fit stuff into current Programs, she says in this letter. So you're not going drag queen story time yet, but you're probably doing regular old story time, right? Try to sneak inclusive messages into your current programs. For instance, if you're reading a book about a mama bear and a papa bear, maybe when you read it, you just change it to be about two papa bears. Or if you're reading a book about a rabbit who likes to get dirty and play sports, Maybe when you read it, you pointedly say it's a girl rabbit. If there are characters in a book where the gender is unidentified or irrelevant, feel free to play and change it up. Chances are kids and families won't even notice. But for the same sex family or gender nonconforming child who does, it will really mean a lot to them to know their librarian has their back. Yeah, what else do they want? There are just a few ideas I've had and lessons I've learned over the years. Hopefully they encourage you, my fellow small town librarians, to keep advocating despite adversity. It is worth it by Tess Goldwasser, who, according to the official news outlet for the Rainbow Roundtable of the American Library Association, I'm a youth service librarian from St. Mary County Library in Southern Maryland. My professional focus is providing quality library services to kids zero to 18. My time is usually split between working at the informational desk, answering references and readers' advisory questions, and planning and executing programs for youngsters and their family. I am also our library early childhood community liaison. Say that five times fast. So I perform many outreach duties to maintain the healthy partnerships our library has with the community organizations like the Judy Center, Head Start, Infants and toddlers, fleet and family, and DSS. Question from the interviewer. What are you most proud of professionally and or personally? A little girl once told me she wants to be me when she grows up. To be someone that another aspires to be like is pretty special. I'm proud to be a positive role model. This is what these people think, folks. I don't make it up. This is their own words from their own publications. By the way, that was from March 18, 2014, GLBT News. So zero to 18 years old, 10 years ago, those are 10 and 28 year olds now that have to deal with the psychological abuse this person put out there. Gay, lesbian, bi, trans news in 2014. That's how we got here. Thank you, Tess Golswater and by that I mean no thank you um I told you yesterday cop killing was uh up in 2022 and 23. yep well you know no surprise why former police chief cops often aren't pulling people over in the midst of a crime wave why for anyone who drives American highways regularly one thing that has been glaringly apparent over the past few years is how horrifically bad drivers have become Trips on our interstate system are a journey into the real world version of a NASCAR video game. It isn't unusual to be processing, proceeding along at 75 miles per hour only to have a car pass you as if you're standing still. That reckless driving has translated to the number of fatal crashes increasing by over 16% between 2018 and 2022, according to USA Today. One thing that has become glaringly obvious is the apparent lack of traffic enforcement on the highways. Some states still show a decent police presence on the roads. Massachusetts comes to mind. In other states, however, the lack of police on the streets is apparent. Connecticut, for example, comes to mind. So what is the reason? Why is it so apparent that police officers are no longer engaged in traffic enforcement? The reason can be clearly apparent. Many police agencies, the Connecticut State Police, for example, are short-staffed. For example, earlier this year, a report said the CSP was short 300 troopers with over 400 having retired or resigned over the previous four years. Connecticut is authorized for 1,150 troopers. A report earlier this year from WFSB 3 said that there were over 1,000 police vacancies in municipal departments across Connecticut embedded in the WFSB story was one reason that departments are having trouble attracting recruits. For example, the article states that New Haven, one of the more violent cities in the state, was committed to diversity, inclusion, and building the community's trust. Those zero to 18-year-old people that she was talking about, they're in their departments. There is nothing about attracting the best and brightest to law enforcement, which used to be a great career with outstanding benefits. The article says, for example, between July and September of this year, according to Oakland, California PD statistic, the district was the fewest non-dispatch stops Five made only 68 dispatch stops for each officer, one dispatch stop every week and a half. <laughs> Those statistics do not back up the theory that officers are inundated with stops related to 911 calls. Statistics further show that over the past year, between October 2022 and September 2023, Oakland PD's officers made fewer dispatch traffic stops than non dispatch stops. I cannot convey to you. How mortifying those stats are to me, said a retired Oakland police officer to the writers. And if we still agree, politics like defund the police is downstream from culture and Disney is a powerful player in the culture we see in here in entertainment. Here's a positive sign. It may come to an end one day sooner or later. Inside Disney's disastrous year in box office flops. 2023 marked Disney's 100th anniversary of making movie magic. It also marked a disastrous year at the box office. Out of eight major theatrical releases from Disney this year, seven of them significantly underperformed with audiences not just in the US, but overseas as well. They don't like it either. The first was in February with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Despite an all-star cast, Michelle Pfeiffer, Bill Murray, the $200 million price film earned only $215 million domestically and $476 million worldwide, far short of the $600 million it needed to break even on its theatrical run, according to Variety. That's less than the 519 million worldwide earnings from the first Ant-Man film in 2015 and the 623 million in the second installment earned in 2018, not adjusted for inflation. The other was November's release of The Marvels. Its 2019 predecessor, Captain Marvel, starred Brie Larson, opened domestically north of 153 million and went on to earn 427 million and a whopping 1.1 billion worldwide. Marvels, however, opened to just 46 million dollars and may not even reach 100 million domestically its total global gross so far is less than 90 million domestically and roughly 200 million worldwide making it the lowest grossing marvel film in the entire franchise and putting it in box office disaster territory giving its reported 270 million dollar budget finally came the pre-thanksgiving release of wish which Disney billed as a film a century in the making, but I bet they wish they didn't make it, to commemorate the studio's 100th anniversary. Sadly for Disney, it was only wishful thinking, as Wish has only grossed roughly $50 million domestically and just over $125 million worldwide, likely to face major losses from its reported $200 million budget. Compare that to Disney's pre-Thanksgiving release of Encanto in 2021, which made over $250 million worldwide amid the box office recovery from covid Disney's box office calendar headed into 2024 remains in flux due to the lengthy actors and writers' strike that paralyzed Hollywood for much of this year. The studio currently has Pixar's Inside Out 2 and Marvel's Deadpool 3 slated for next summer, but it's delay of the the Snow White live-action remake, which was originally supposed to be released in March 2024, now slated for March 2025, hopefully 2,125. Following intense backlash is perhaps a bad omen for the House of Mouse. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. Hello, my name is Yuri Boyechkin. I'm from Hope for Ukraine, and you're listening to Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast.
0: I'm Bill Ozier. I am the president of the Battle of Nashville Trust in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm here on the Mill Creek View podcast.
1: Time for my quotes of the day. But before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe. Just subscribe and I'll move right on because we're running out of time. Comments made in the year 1957. I thought about waiting until 2027, but I don't think I'll live that long. So I'll tell you one thing. If things keep going the way they are, it's going to be impossible to buy a week's groceries for $20. I'm afraid to send my kids to the movies anymore. Ever since they let Clark Gable get by with saying damn in Gone with the Wind, it seems every new movie has either hell or damn in it. Have you seen the new cars coming out next year? It won't be long before $5,000 will only buy a used one. If cigarettes keep going up in price, I'm going to quit. A quarter a pack is ridiculous. Did you hear the post office is thinking about charging a dime just to mail a letter? If they raise the minimum wage to a dollar, nobody will be able to hire outside help at the store. When I first started driving, who would have thought gas would someday cost 29 cents a gallon? Guess we'd be better off leaving the car in the garage. Kids today are impossible. Those ducktail haircuts make it impossible to stay groomed. Next thing you know, boys will be wearing their hair as long as the girls. 1957, folks. If they think I'll pay 50 cents for a haircut, forget it. I read the other day where some scientists thinks it's possible to put a man on the moon by the end of the century. They even have some uh, fellows they call astronauts preparing for it down in Texas. Did you see where some baseball players just signed a contract for $75,000 a year just to play baseball? It wouldn't surprise me if somebody may be making more than the president. I never thought I'd see the day all our kitchen appliances would be electric. They're even making electric typewriters now. It's too bad things are so tough nowadays. I see where a few married women are having to work to make ends meet. It won't be long before young couples are going to have to hire someone to watch their kids so they can both work. Marriage doesn't mean a thing anymore. Those Hollywood stars seem to be getting divorced at the top of a, at the drop of a hat. I'm just afraid the Volkswagen car is going to open the door to a whole lot of foreign business. Thank goodness I don't live to see the day when the government takes half our income and taxes. I sometimes wonder if we are electing the best people to Congress. The drive-in restaurant is convenient in nice weather, but I seriously doubt they will ever catch on. There's no sense going to Lincoln or Omaha anymore for a weekend. It costs nearly $15 a night to stay in a hotel. And last one, no one can afford to be sick anymore. $35 a day in the hospital is too rich for my blood. Ah, that's it for this episode. Thank you, Stuart Parks. Good luck. I hope all works out well for you and you are representative of the country. So let's hope it help works out for all of us. So that is goodbye for now. I'm your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of MCView.us. See y'all tomorrow. See some of you tonight at the West Haven, Tennessee, Kokomo's open mic night. I am MCing. I don't know why, but I'm going to do it. Second time. Peace in our time and definitely glory to God. Amen.